Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Wow, I just have this excitement beyond any excitement I've ever had for any year, as far as I can think. Maybe at the turn of the century, when we went from 1999 to 2000, that felt really exciting. But there's just something about 2020 in the spirit. And, uh, you know, even if you're someone who's, shall we say, wired differently than prophets, you know, I'm accidentally prophetic. You know, I, I put my little hand into my heavenly daddy's big hand and I go through life like he told us to, like a little child. And I go through life like a little child and with my little hand in his big hand, he keeps righting every wrong and I keep stumbling into all sorts of amazing, awesome things that happen that I know had nothing to do with me and my little hand and everything to do with him and his big hand. And I just keep accidentally being fruitful. And I love that about God. He wants, uh, he's created us and, caught, and then redeemed us and saved us and wants us to be fruitful. And yet he knows himself that he alone can be fruitful. So he has designed it fully in every way that we could be united with him, filled with his spirit, anointed with his spirit, so that we can't help ourselves but be fruitful in him. <laughs> uh, you're either like sitting there thinking, what? Or... But imagine a God who creates you, saves you, rights every wrong, and then turns around and says, you know what, from now on, I'm happy to take over. So that you always get it right. And then at the end of it all, I'm gonna reward you that the life you lived on earth was actually my life. I mean, hello! <laughs> Talk about grace and mercy packaged together in one dynamic gift. Well, I believe the excitement that's in our spirits concerning 2020 is because God's excited about 2020. And uh, you know, whether you follow the Jewish calendar, the Chinese calendar, or the Roman calendar, um, there's something about this year that just, just feels good. Feels like everything's gonna be different. And uh, I've already seen an acceleration, I'm sure many of you have, leading up to 2020, has been a dramatic acceleration and, uh, of the things of the Spirit. And I know that this, this year, we're going to see the beginning of what I believe will be the greatest harvest of souls the world has ever witnessed in all of history. And out of everybody that's ever been alive in history at this moment, God chose you. You could have been born at some other time and you could have lived some other time and you could have died some other time, but you didn't. Because God called you to be alive for such a time as this right now. And there are legions of angels that are lining up and they're jockeying in the spirit, ready, wanting to be the very first to come to your aid to help you for such a time as this because God's called you to be fruitful in your life like never before. And the angels are excited about what they're gonna do with you in 2020. I'm excited about 2020. 
Bob Jones prophesied that there was going to be a billion soul harvest and then Jesus, just before Jesus comes, we don't know when Jesus is coming. Jesus himself even said, I don't know, only the Father knows. And that doesn't mean that Jesus is not omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. No, it means Jesus is surrendered to his Father. And because that's the, that's the place of a son. That is the eternal repose of the son. The son has always been in a horizontal position of rest, trusting entirely in the life of his father. That's what it means to truly be a son. And the father and the son from all eternity have loved one another and the love that has flowed between the father and the son is the Holy Spirit himself, the very flame of love. And to be adopted, which happened in Jesus' life at the Jordan River where there was that moment of adoption. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The word in Greek for adoption, huiothesai, is two Greek words, huios, son, and tithemai. And the word tithemai means to be placed in a horizontal position of rest. No more perfectly surrendered than when you're in a tomb, dead, and there's nothing you can do. And Jesus demonstrated perfectly to the Father what perfect surrender looked like, no more perfectly than the cross and then ultimately the grave. And there he was in the grave, completely and totally surrendered. He'd already been surrendered. That's how he opened the eyes of the blind. He said, it's not me doing it. It's my Father in me who does it. Every work that I've done, every word that I've said, it's not me. It's my Father living in me who does His works, who says His words. Come on, everybody. And then here He is at the cross and He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Meaning that even though I know that I've now become one with billions of sinners and quadrillions of their sin. So much so that when I said, when he said it is finished, it was impossible for the Father to raise him from the dead without raising Christ, uh, you and I from the dead with Christ. And in that place of knowing that the sins of the entire world were upon him, that he was united with us in all of our sin and all of our brokenness, all of our shame. And he said, I'm fully identified with them even into death. And I'm surrendered to you, Father. And the devil got the biggest punch in the face and a crushing of his head three days later when the Father raised Jesus and you and I from the dead and lifted Jesus and you and I into the highest place of honour, into the very courts of God, onto the very throne of God. And you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's why I'm excited about 2020. And that's the good news that you can give every single person that you ever come across in your life. Nobody's disqualified because nobody is qualified
Yesterday I attended the memorial service of evangelist Reinhard Bonnke in Orlando. And Reinhard Bonnke has always been one of my heroes since I was 20 years old. And uh, the reason he's my hero is because he laid his life down singularly focused upon obeying the vision and the word that God gave him of a blood-washed Africa in a dream. And he saw in a dream, he was a missionary in Lesotho, South Africa, a little mountainous country in the middle of South Africa, a little kingdom. And in that dream, he saw a blood-washed Africa. The blood went from the south to the north, from the west to the east. And he spent his entire life dedicated to saving the African people. And he won 79 million people to Jesus. Yes. Okay, if you didn't just clap then, give God a clap right now. I'm telling you that right now. I, I don't care if you don't want to. God's worthy of your clap right now. 79 million people wanted Jesus by one man and the ministry that he and the Holy Spirit birthed. And of course, we know it was the Holy Spirit who drew every single one of those souls. No one can reveal, no one can even believe in the Son or the Father unless the Son or the Father reveal each other to them. And... Reinhard didn't win 79 million souls out of his own efforts. He won them because of the Holy Spirit who was upon him. However, he wouldn't have won a single one of those souls if he himself had not connected, had not yielded, had not been fully dependent and had not been fully intentional and had not said yes to every single word the Holy Spirit told him to do. 90% of the time throughout his entire life. And what I loved in the midst of his memorial while we were selling, oh, by the way, did I mention he was 79 years old when he died? Think about that for just a moment. You can't make this stuff up. That means on average, he won a million souls for every year of his life. I'd be really excited if I could say I, I had won 100 souls for every year of my life. He has won a million souls for every year of his life. Why don't you make a decision right now and your life's going to be different from now on. Yes. Just make that decision in your heart. Lord, I don't care if it's one soul per year for the rest of my life. I don't care if it's 10 souls per year for the rest of my life. I don't care if it's a hundred or a thousand. Lord, I'm going to leave that to you. But one thing I say to you, Lord, take my life and use it for your glory. Take my little life and make it count for you, Lord. What I loved about it was in the middle of the memorial, which was an amazing memorial, and a very, very large church. People had come from all over the world. What I loved was that Reinhard, they showed a clip of Reinhard speaking from his heart. And one of the things that 
he said, and I'm just paraphrasing, very much paraphrasing, was that it doesn't matter whether you are, what walk of life you have, whether you're a mum at home, a father at home, whether you, uh, you're a lawyer, or whether you're a, a dentist, or whether you're a pastor, or whether you're an evangelist, or whether you are an Uber driver. He didn't say that, I'm saying that. Or whether, and he listed off these things. All the, thank you, darling, all these normal things. He said, you are fully positioned to be fruitful in the midst of that. And I'm adding this, if all you say is yes, Lord. Take my little life, Lord, and let it count. And folks, let me tell you something. I was reminded last night that life is very short. And, uh, you know, we, my family, we've had a, a wonderful Rhodesian Ridgeback dog for the last nine years. And last night, we got back from Orlando, my wife and I. She came bounding up the stairs with our daughter, Nat, and she was wagging her tail and, you know, going between my legs and fussing all over me. And I was fussing over her, although I regret that I wasn't fussing as much as I normally do. I was pretty tired. It was like quarter to 12, 11.30. And then she went downstairs and instead of going off to sleep, she just went on the floor. Yeah. And by the time we got her to the vets, she passed just before we arrived. Yeah. It's very sad. And, you know, my family are grieving. And, uh, but I want you to know, okay, that we're grieving, yes, but we're so grateful for the nine years of joy that God gave us through him. And I just want to use this moment to remind you, everybody, what Murray was just saying this just now. Jesus is our eternal reward. Okay? And even to the level where our family and our best friends, our best family members, our favorite family members, our best, our own children, our grandchildren, our grandparents, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our best friends in life. Let me tell you, we are all mortal, every one of us. We're all going to the eternal realm of glory, those of us that are in Christ Jesus. Why? What's the important thing in the midst of all of life, that we remember Jesus is the most important thing. It's all about Him. In Him we live and move and have our being. In Him, Bella lived and moved and had her being. Every breath she took was His breath. Everything that's good about her was an expression, a tiny glimpse of our God. I'm reading Job at the moment. The whole purpose of Job is that we realize life is not about Job. Life's not about Job. Life's not about Job's friends. Life's not about anything. Life is about Jesus. He is our life. He's the glory and the lifter of our head. And the moment it goes click inside of us that we live for Jesus, we live in Jesus, we love, live through Jesus, we do all things in Christ. Christ is our eternal reward. It's all about Him. He is eternal life. When that goes click, we can walk rightly through this life no matter what lies before us. Even in the midst of tragedy, we can worship, we can rejoice. Why? Because we know 
that that tragedy is not the final word. Resurrection is the final word. Actually, not even resurrection is the final word. Not even ascension is the final word. Glorification is the final word, everybody. <laughs> and just to take a little sidestep for just a moment, there's a, there's a place in Matthew 28, for example, where here's Jesus walking with his disciples, 11 of them. He's freshly raised from the dead. He's appeared to them several times. Now he's walking with them. He's about to ascend to glory. He gives them the great commission. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, the identity of the Father, the identity of the Son, and the identity of the Holy Spirit. Immerse every human being in the Trinitarian identity. He's not talking about water, whether you sprinkle or bath or what. He's talking about immerse every human being, including yourself, in the full identity of me, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Just as they're walking prior to him speaking, Matthew says, and they walked together with him, but some doubted. Have you ever thought about that? Some doubted. What were they doubting? They weren't doubting that Jesus was raised from the dead. He was right next to them. What they were doubting was that his resurrection had any bearing on them. They'd already seen Lazarus raised from the dead. They knew that God can raise the dead. They knew that Jesus was alive and that he was resurrected from the dead. But they still didn't get it that they, because he was raised from the dead, this resurrection was different to Lazarus. Because unlike Lazarus, who died in his sin and was resurrected by the perfect man. This was the perfect man who died on the cross and his per perfect body paid the price for all their sin. Therefore, all of humanity now can be resurrected, have been resurrected in Christ. If we believe, we will receive the fullness of that resurrection. And it wasn't until he'd ascended and then poured out the Holy Spirit, just like he said he would when he was glorified, the Holy Spirit would come. 10 days after he rose again from the dead, the Holy Spirit came <coughs> on the day of Pentecost. And from that moment, they never doubted ever again. They knew that they too were united with Christ, that for anybody to meet Peter was to meet Jesus. Anybody who met Andrew was to meet Jesus. Why? Because they knew Jesus and I are one. I want you to turn to Psalm 92, verse 1. The reason I mentioned Bella passing is because I just want you to know we don't know how long we have in this world. Do not comfort yourself with your life that you have in this world. Comfort yourself with your life that you have in Christ Jesus. This life is temporary. He is eternal. It's good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night, even when your dog passes on, even when your grandma passes on or your wife passes on or your father passes on. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night with the ten-string lute and the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre, with catch-the-fire music on your, iPod, uh, on your iPhone, 
For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. See where his joy comes from? His joy doesn't come out of what he's done or what someone else has done for him. His joy in its entirety comes from what God has done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man understand this, that when the wicked sprouted up like grass and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, excuse me, for behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies will perish. Before the mountains were born, oh, hang on, sorry, excuse me, I've turned two pages, thank you. All who do iniquity will be scattered. But you, verse 10, but you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. And many of you have heard my message on the mighty ox in the stable, a type of the Holy Spirit, the Lord of the harvest. And my eye has looked exultantly upon my foes. My ears hear of the evildoers who rise up against me. Now verse 12, the righteous man, the righteous woman will flourish like the palm tree. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit even in old age. They will be full of sap and very green. To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. You were created to be fruitful and multiply everybody. You were born again in order to be fruitful and multiply. You were not just born again so that you can spend eternity with God, though that is joyfully what you will do. But you were also created in Christ Jesus to do good works that He planned in advance for you to do, Ephesians 2 verse 10. He's planned them all. You just have to say yes. And let me tell you something, they are easier. It is more low-hanging fruit than you realize. It's so easy. I had the joy last month or maybe just towards the end of November, I forget if it was late November, early December, of leading our general contractor who's doing the extension on our home in Wake Forest. And right in my living room, I was able to speak with him about eternity and where was he going to spend eternity? Do you know where you're gonna spend eternity, I said. He had just had a near-death experience and he said, I realize all that counts is my family, not my work, not money, all that counts is my relationships with my family. I said, yes, to a measure, you're almost there, except that there's one thing that's even better. And that is a relationship with your eternal family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in which in Him, in them, you can enjoy an eternal relationship with your earthly family. Do you know where you would have gone if you had died? You would have gone without Christ as you are. You would have spent eternity in the fires of hell with your sin being judged 
forever. But because of Jesus, you and I have the opportunity to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And I explained to him the cross. I explained to him salvation. I explained to him the reward of Jesus as the Father's gift to us, that that's the life we lived on earth. If we just believe in Jesus, that's what's credited to our account. And I spoke to him about eternal salvation in the name of Jesus and in the person of Jesus alone. And I said, would you like to be saved? He said, "Ah, yes, with all my heart, I want to be saved. And right there and then my 57-year-old Previously agnostic, I've known him for 11 years. 11 years ago, he wasn't ready, wasn't interested, but he gave with great tears. I, oh, well, then I said to him, would you like to do that right now? It would be my joy to introduce you to your Savior, Jesus, your King and your God. And he said, yes, I would like that right now. I said, fantastic, say this with me. And I led him to Jesus in my living room. I've led hundreds, I've led thousands to Jesus, but that's one of my favorite moments that I've ever had the joy and privilege of leading anybody to Jesus. And with tears streaming down his face, he gave his life to Jesus. And when he said, amen, he opened his eyes. I already had seen the light of his countenance change, but when he said, amen, and he opened his eyes, I could see Jesus right in his eyes. And the, I gave him, I went straight to my collection of some of them highly, highly desirable Bibles. I'm a bit of a, some say hoarder, I would say collector. And I gave him one of my very best, most expensive Bibles, rare and hard to get. And I gave it to him and I wrote in the front a message of love to his heart. And I gave it to him. And he tells me, I've been reading it. He's in love with Jesus. All of, his, all of his friends all over Raleigh, all the contractors, all of his friends that he hangs out with in his own, in, in his own time, all of them, none of them can get over what's happened to him. They can't recognize him. He's so unrecognizable. He's gone from a hard charging, you know, got to get this done to a guy who's just full of love, full of grace, full of mercy, full of kindness and full of inquisitiveness about Jesus. Guys, this is accessible for us. We don't need to we don't need to be a Reinhard Bonnke. We need to be a Duncan Smith, if that's your name. <laughs> Heaven knows how many you will win by the end of your life. Heaven already knows. And Heaven's already proud of you. Most especially if you determine in your heart, from this moment... I'm going to live my life, what I'm created to be and to do, but my goodness, I'm taking a crowd with me when I come into glory. I will not be going in alone. I will 
bring. I'm going to bring my family with me. I'm going to bring my neighbors with me. I'm going to make sure the person I sat next to in church all that time, they're there too. Because you know that going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than hanging out in McDonald's makes you a hamburger. That's a Keith Green quote. <clears throat> I want to give you three important words to just remember as we close. Number one, from verse 12, verse 13 rather, planted in the house of the Lord. Number one key for living a life of fruitfulness is that you die daily with Christ. That you take up your cross and follow him. That you make a decision in, you know what? <clears throat> as much as I feel like I've got rights, I have no rights. I'm wrong and he made me right. And the thing about a seed, everybody, is that a seed can go anywhere it wants. Seed can go anywhere at once. It can be blown in the wind. It can be eaten by a monkey. It can be pooped out somewhere. A seed can go all over the place. And you know, the problem with a lot of us is that we've got all kinds of dreams. One day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to do that. One day I'm going to, if I could have a dollar for every person that told me what they do with the money that they have if they won the lottery, I'd be a lottery winner. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. One of the things that's dying with Christ is shoot the I'm going to rabbits if you get my drift. I hope you understand what I mean by that. You know, if a preacher's talking and they go off on a rabbit trail, there's a, we have a saying, shoot that rabbit, shoot the rabbit trail. Don't stick with what you're called to preach. I have to do a lot of shooting rabbits. <laughs> But I'm serious now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna is not going to lead to fruitfulness unless it's I'm gonna die with Christ today. Put your life in the soil of Christ by faith. And John chapter 2, verse 18, around 18, 19, 20, Jesus talks about, he says to the to the crowd listening. Um, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. They all thought he was talking about the temple, the physical temple. He was actually, John says he was talking about his own body who the disciples later understood when he's speaking about the cross. And he says in John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. A seed can go anywhere it wants to, but it can never become what it was purposed to become until it dies. You were born a seed, but you can't become what you were created to be, which is a tree bearing fruit, until you die and your life falls into Christ. See how it works? When you get to the end of your life, you're not gonna be commended that you were a lawyer. You will be commended that you were a lover. And when you fall into Christ, here's the thing, everybody, like every seed, you go underground. It's not pretty. It goes in the ground. It's cold. It's damp. It's dark. Nobody sees you. Death is like that. 
This afternoon, I'm going to have the privilege or otherwise of taking my dog's body and digging a hole in our 13 acres somewhere up in Wake Forest and planting her in the ground, so to speak. And one day that'll happen to you and it'll happen to me. It happened to Reinhard. We were just at that memorial. But look at what has come out of Reinhard's life because he already died a long, long time ago, everybody. And he was planted into Christ many decades ago. And as a result of him being planted, that seed died then and the tree bore much fruit and lived a life bearing 79 million fruits who now have fallen into the ground and become 79 million Reinhard Bonnke fruit trees. And imagine what it is an incalculable number to think in 200 years what will have come from Reinhard Bonnke's life of 79 million souls won to the kingdom. Because each one of those souls in their turn will fall into the ground, die, produce fruit, etc., etc. Number one, you must be planted. You must be willing to die. When that seed is in the ground, it's the water acting on that seed cracks it open. And from that moment, that seed dies and something new is birthed. You've been birthed in Christ. Your tap, your tap root goes down into Christ and now you draw his sap. But a plant doesn't remain underground. It's got to come up. You've got to let your life in Christ come up into the visible realm. It's got to come up. And then it says, you will not just be full of sap, but you'll be fresh and green. Why green? Because it's the green leaves that do the photosynthesis that receive the life from above, the life from below of Christ and the life from above of the Holy Spirit, the sunshine on your life, the anointing on your life will cause you to become in time a phenomenal fruit-bearing tree when you are fully yielded. Yielded, planted, yielded, dependent, and ultimately multiplying and fruitful all your life. Not living for what you're going to gain, but living for what He's going to gain. Living not just to have treasure in your life, but more than that, living in the treasure of Christ so that you can return to Him what He treasures most, the souls of your mum and dad, the souls of your brothers and sisters, the souls of your work colleagues, the souls of every person in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, and wherever God ever gives you the joy to meet a person. Win them for Jesus, everybody. Give your life away. And you will hear what Reinhard Bonnke heard on that glorious day. Welcome into my kingdom, good and faithful servant. What a moment that would have been when he walked in. A euphoric cheer beyond anything the angels had ever witnessed or participated in. But you know something? I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, that cheer was, is no greater than the cheer I give every one of my children when they walk in. Let's stand, everybody. <clears throat> On the day that I went to celebrate Reinhard Bonnke's death in this world and life in Christ, and I was reminded of 
D.L. Moody, who said, if you ever read in the Chicago Post or Herald or whatever the newspaper is, I forget. What is it? The Chicago, Tri what is it, everybody? Tribute? Tribune, thank you. Dwight L. Moody said, if you ever hear or read in the newspaper in the Chicago Tribune that D. Dwight L. Moody has died, don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than ever. Now let that be true of your life. You're already more alive than ever. You're in Christ. But I want to give you a bold invitation to do what I've done many times and perhaps you've done many times. But just come up here to the front once again as a symbol to the Lord for those of you who desire. Lord, I'm fully yours. Take my little life and make it count for you. Make me fruitful forever. Make me, let every moment count, Lord. Let me live a Godward life, fully devoted, fully yielded, saying, always saying yes. Give me the strength to always say yes, Lord. <clears throat> let your yes always be upon my lips. Let your joy always be in my heart. Let me live for your glory. Let me live a life that's worthy, pleasing to Christ Jesus and worthy of Him. Lord, how I could do that, I don't know, but give me the grace that I could live a life in You that's worthy of all that You've done for me, a life that would be pleasing to You, a life that You would consider a reward as much as I consider You to be my eternal reward, that You would joyfully consider me to be your eternal reward. Lord, I don't know what that looks like. But you do. And I can't be Reinhard Bonnke. And I can't be Billy Graham. But I sure can be me in you. And Lord, I give you all of me. I surrender it all. Lord, I think about all the greats, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, Amy Semple McPherson, Mariah Woodward Edda, Heidi Baker. Lord, I can't be any of them, but I give you me with all my heart. And I ask you, God, that you would take my little life, whether it's me being a teacher in the classroom, whether it's me being a banker, whether it's me in business as an entrepreneur, a carpenter, a mom, a dad, a pastor, an evangelist, whatever I am, Lord, Give me an undivided, fully devoted heart only to you, fully yielded. A life that brings you pleasure and glory and multiply me, Lord. Put me not just into Christ spiritually, but put me in Christ physically on the earth in your body. 
put me among the small group, Ignite group, big group, church, whatever it is, God, just put me with your people. Give me a brave heart, not to hide, not to run from others, but to be willing to embrace relationally and to embrace my need of you through other human beings. Lord, show me where you want me planted, not just into you spiritually, but also planted in this world, in your body, that I might be fruitful for your glory.